Welcome to Baby Wearing and Breastfeeding, Nurturing Miracles, a podcast dedicated to the unique challenges and joys of parenting medically complex kids. Each week, we'll engage in discussions relevant to all parents navigating their children's illnesses. I'm your host, Megan Pa, a lactation consultant and mom to a medically complex child, here to share insights and support on this nurturing journey. Welcome back, everybody, to Baby Wearing and Breastfeeding Nurturing Miracles, the podcast where we do a deep dive into everything baby wearing and breastfeeding, um, specifically tailored to our medically complex kids. I'm your host, Megan Pa, and uh, today we're going to be talking to a certified nurse midwife. Story has been a midwife now for 14 years. Um, she started off at a birth center and is now in her own practice for the past roughly 10 years, right, Story? Yeah, nine or so. Nine. Yeah. So I wanted to talk to you. And actually, we have a really cool connection that I want to share, which is that I decided to have my babies at home. Story was one of the midwives that I saw in my first pregnancy because I went to birth care. So she didn't end up being there at the delivery, but it was kind of cool that I think I saw you during my pregnancy because we see everybody when we come through. And then the other really cool connection was um, during that pregnancy, I found out that we had a really good mutual close friend that I worked with. And then I think she, did she go to your church? Like how how did you, how do you and Fran Marie know each other? Yeah. Childhood church. Yeah. And isn't that neat? Like it was just a small world. Um, So that's, that was just really cool how we connected in that way. And um, I so like we've stayed we've stayed connected with um between between then and now my sister-in-law took childbirth classes from you. Oh god, uh, and I always forget yeah. that. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's yep. just a small world. Like we I just know, keep so bouncing much. into each other, which I love because you're such a cool person. Um so story, can you briefly share your journey into becoming a midwife actually? I'm very curious. I've never asked you this and I'm wondering like how, did you always know that you wanted to be a midwife? Pretty much. I was at my first home birth when I was 10. That was my uh, little brother, Gray. Then I was at my little brother, Garrett's birth. And then I was at two, one of my sister's home births after that. And then I missed, I was in college when my next sister was born, missed her birth. But anyway, so home birth was something I knew well. Um, and then when I was pregnant with it, by the time I was pregnant with my first, I was already in midwifery school. So yes, somewhere in there, um, I, I kind of started in the med pre-med track in college studying biology and then came to realize there was a bigger difference between obstetrics and midwifery. It wasn't just like who got paid more money to do it, that it really yeah. was a different, a different way of looking at pregnancy and birth. And I realized, oh, I'm a midwife. I'm not at the, yeah. this is not the same thing where you get paid more money. So yes, I'm very happy that I realized, I think, you know, practically it was also, I, pictured myself being a mom and I didn't want a job where I I saw what doctors were doing just to become doctors and then what to pay off their loans afterwards. And I just was like, I, I don't want, that was also part of it. It was just the practicality of like midwifery school sounds like something I can do and I can enjoy working and work the amount I want to work. So yeah, it had a better life work balance for you. Right. I'm glad that you brought that up about the um, the different approach to the practice and to women's health that um, is present between like 
obstetrics and being a midwife. Um, that was what drove me to it in the first place, like many women. And um, I want to say that, you know, and we will dive into this a little bit more, but of course, the reason that I wanted to talk to a nurse midwife um, is because I had all of my babies at home. But for the most part, you know, it's very, it's going to be very few women that have medical complexities that are able to still have a home birth. Right. The reason that I had chosen it for my first child, who was, that was a low risk pregnancy. You know, I was very healthy. He was very healthy. Um, and I had actually started off seeing an, an OB, but it was a very different care that I got in the sense that the one thing that just there's really two instances and I don't want to spend too much time talking about it, but I can say that at all my appointments, my, my obstetrician was always ready to get out of there. Like I was a new mom and I was super excited and I had all these questions. And like the, the minute I started asking her questions, she stood up and had her hand on the door. Like, I don't have time for this. I got to go. And there was an instance that caused me to switch. But um, when I did and I started going to birth care, it was night and day. Like, those, those visits lasted over an hour. They sat down and really, like, I really felt like they cared about me and, and my wishes and my, and I have a very, <laughs> I, I want to say a very, very type A personality. Like I yeah. need to feel like I have bodily, like autonomy over my body and like control right. and that I'm not losing control during the birth. And the midwives were so, so amazing about that. Like, absolutely right. you do. So and I could you, I, could I, you I, speak in your experience? Cause you're coming at it from a provider's perspective, like right. the, the differences between the view and practices. Yeah. I, when I hear that, I think it's funny cause I almost get defensive of the doctor's point of view because I, sure. I know what it's like to, for them who are trying to be in network providers and the type of reimbursement they're getting for these visits is so piddly yeah. that they're providing what they're getting paid for. So it's almost like your insurance, like, and, and we see that a lot where people choose to go to providers that their insurance covers, and then they get what their insurance covers, which is that kind of care. Yeah. So birth care did an amazing job. They were in network. They are in network with a lot of people. And they're, I think they're balancing with some cash pay people that are sadly paying more than the insurance companies are paying. So they have that balance. But I do think in network options, we know, make things tricky there. So yeah. not necessarily that there are people that didn't care, but it's like yeah. what that was on their schedule. Like, Yeah, it's funny that you say that because it is very interesting how when you start to live a little life and your experiences are different, because then like now I've got experiences on both sides because I went to nursing school and then I worked mm -hmm. in a hospital and then I, you know, as a postpartum nurse and I worked in a hospital as a lactation consultant. And I was able to be on their, not, I mean, not a doctor, but their side of yeah. it too. And it's like, you, you can absolutely care. But then in the back of your mind, you know, I've got seven other moms right. to see today and right. I care about them and, too. You know what I, I do care about my clients, but what the really good thing that helps me keep providing care is that if I don't do a good job, they're going to leave. And I think sometimes in the hospital setting, there isn't that customer service piece where like they have to provide what you want or you'll leave because there's not another option. So I think like the fact that we have options and that we live in an area that has so many choices of even home birth midwives, it like keeps us providing really good care. I think like competition is so good. Yeah. And you know, we have, we, we need to just keep doing the best. So, yeah. And I like that you, you brought up 
where the location piece too, because for the listeners, for people listening, when have when you have birthing options, so much of it matters on like where you're living, because if you want to have a home birth, but it, you're an hour away from a hospital, right. but if you need that hospital, that hour is going to be a problem. Right. So, and then also not having, you know, all the different people. Right. I don't think from. there's anyone who lives in Northern Virginia that isn't like 10 minutes. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> maybe 20 minutes max. I've had some births where I'm like, oh, this is further yeah. into the woods of Manassas or something. Um, but yeah, we're really lucky to really have that option for everyone around here. Yeah. Can you speak, can you just speak to the basic, so people know what are the differences between the, what a certified nurse midwife can offer versus what um, a doctor can offer an OB? So as a certified nurse midwife, we're not trained in surgery. So we're not trained to do C-sections. And what we are trained in is being the experts at natural birth, which I don't believe doctors are trained in. So, um, I think that we each have our specialty and a great uh, setup is when you have midwives doing normal and you have doctors doing surgery. It, it like, that's a great team. And I think um, we have some practices in the area that have really like shown that to be, and, and you have people choosing the doctors for their vaginal birth. But I think most of the women that want a truly like physiologic birth, which is what we call it when like labor starts on its own, it progresses on its own and a mom, with, without the use of medicine is able to birth a baby the way our bodies were meant to do it. Um, so physiologic birth, I think most people that know they want that are seeking out midwifery care because midwives are the experts in that. Um, and it is a, like, it really is a different training when you're, you know, I, I kind of take it for granted that we attend births with moms standing or hands and knees or lying on their back or squatting. And none of those feels harder than anything else because all of them are what we do. And then when you see a doctor that is not comfortable with a mom on their hands and knees, not because they think through like the, like that this is not safe, but more like their hands have learned one way to do this and, and their brain isn't able to switch over it. So I've seen doctors have trouble. I'm not saying every doctor, there's a lot of doctors who thankfully, sometimes it's because they've had a midwife in their practice who's like taught them a different way or, or they knew better and they, they taught themselves a different way. But I think that's not part of their training that like the mom is the one who we work around, not the doctor. Yeah. So yeah, I think um, experts in, in normal birth, a, a difference is that I'm not trained to manage like um, type one diabetes or really even gestational hypertension. Those are things where I consider that no longer like normal, healthy pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for those, that's like something where a physician is a really great asset because they have the tools for the medical complexities for the mom. Um, so, yeah. And yes, absolutely for the mom. And so, but so in pregnancy, I think I know the answer, but I want to ask you obviously. So in pregnancy, uh, mom and baby are viewed as a dyad. So we're both, we're treating both at the same time. And so, um, we're obviously taking mom's vitals, um, at every appointment and checking on how she's doing and doing blood work and ultrasound scans are, we're looking at the baby and, um, you, you are sending mom out for stuff like that. Right. So So, yeah. yeah. So I've talked more, more in my mind are the cases where the mom is no longer a great candidate for home birth, but in your situation, you're looking at, we also have those cases where the baby's not a great candidate for home birth. 
Um, and so, yeah, in cases where, you know, we have moms sometimes that have chosen to do genetic screening. And so we've found from that, that we have a baby that we need to figure out if they're a good candidate for home birth or not. Um, sometimes we have situations where it's a, from an anatomy scan. Um, so last year, um, it was actually this February that the baby was born. So last year that it happened, um, where we had a mom from her 20 week anatomy scan, she had declined any genetic screening, but from her scan and a heart defect and short femur lengths, it was like, okay, there, there's a higher, there's a higher likelihood that we have a genetic issue going on. Um, and she said, yes, she would like to do the genetic screening now. So kind of using genetic screening in a, in a reflex capacity where we, somebody doesn't opt to do it routinely, but if the, if the anatomy scan shows something unusual, that's not the traditional geneticist approach to it, right? They, yeah. they kind of want all the information up front, but I, I, a lot of our clients do opt for declining genetic screening, and then they might do it if the anatomy scan points to something. And her, her you know, her, we sent her to maternal fetal medicine. So that's a special kind of obstetrician who does high risk situations and they confirm that yes, this baby should be born in the hospital. And um, so she switched practices and, and planned her hospital birth. Um, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but no, that's, you that's did one that, of the no, that's real. That's very good. Be, and you, uh, you definitely assessed where I was coming from in the right way, which is, you know, sometimes it, we know right away, like if we're, if a mom is risking out because of her health, but like you said, you know, a lot of times that any kind of complexities with babies are caught at that 20 week scan. And then sometimes they're not right. So um, what do you do if, you know, so far mom's been healthy and low risk, and then you find out at birth that, right. you know, potentially baby has medical complexity. So how do you approach that? Right. So a couple of babies this year that come to mind are like earlier in the year. And I think I didn't even ask you about this. I to remind me, but I think you were uh, the lactation consultant for one of our babies that was smaller than like small for gestational age Four, mm -hmm. I think like four pounds, nine ounces, not what we expected when she went into labor at 37 weeks. So it was clear that there was something, you know, it might've been a result of her blood pressure was creeping up at the end. Um, and we were actually looking at maybe needing to send her to the hospital and then she went into labor. So it was like, yeah. okay, we're going to have a, we're gonna have a baby before this blood pressure becomes fully an issue. Um, and she had a great birth and this baby was very small. That's something where, you know, her fundal heights had increased enough that we hadn't done extra testing yet, but probably if she had stayed pregnant beyond 37 weeks, we would have started to see something not right. And then, so that's a situation where it was glad we were glad that she went into labor and that little baby just did really well breastfeeding. Am I right that you were with her? Yeah. I remember yeah. that baby. That baby yeah. did amazing. It's I love seeing stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know where, like where that fits in medically complex. I don't know if you would call her that, but I mean, small for gestational age. That's, yeah. That's, that's something where, you know, we were kind of keeping an eye and deciding whether she was going to get to stay home or need to go to the hospital and she got to stay home. So that was great. Another, another baby born this year that you have also gotten to see um, was a baby that was had a normal anatomy scan followed was born and but visually had down syndrome and unlike the baby I talked about from last year didn't have a heart defect that was seen on Present the anatomy scan, scan. And, and so again that baby got to stay home and get good lactation care and 
good pediatrician care and um, is really thriving and exclusively breastfeeding. So, yeah, for the most part, in your experience, if something is caught on on this 20 week scan, then they will transfer out. And but then at birth, at this point, like in your 14 year career, you've been you've been I don't know, is it lucky or it's just like it's just the one percent of one percent so you just don't see it as often where yeah i mean it's birth. funny for me it's funny for me to be talking about these two down syndrome babies in these two years because those are the two of my 14 year career like no that's not yeah. true one at born at the birth center in my first year i mean i still had another midwife with me at that birth so i know it was very early on and then all these years and that's amazing. I, I don't want to, I'm, you know, you're so nervous when you say you give your stats and you haven't like looked back over, you know, like, no, I, and that's all right. You're not, it. you're not on trial. <laughs> I, we didn't, like, I didn't make you swear with the Bible. We're okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and then 12 years go by and then you have two and two, two years. in a year. Isn't that weird? Two in, two in a year. Right. Okay. Well, Hey, so, you watch out. Cause like another one's coming, right? It's in right, threes. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. So, yeah. um, but I will tell you that both of those babies are such blessings to those families. And that's what I hear from those families. Yeah, and, absolutely. you know, the mom that needed to change her birth plan, it was not someone that ever would have had a hospital birth if she could have avoided. She was not somebody that was wanting to go that route. And she was ready to do it for her baby. And, um, you know, the, the second mom, I don't think she was somebody who knowing that her baby had downs would have chosen to have a home birth. Honestly, like I'm, when I think about like, I'm trying to decide that. Like, I don't know. I didn't, I, I should ask her that. Like, what if yeah. we'd known? Cause I, I don't even know what I would say if she asked me that. Okay. Story. What if you had known that the baby had downs that we didn't see a heart defect? Like just knowing that, like, I think because there's so much pressure from the hospital side of things that you be responsible midwife, that if yeah. something did happen, if your baby, you know, if this baby did have even unrelated to their downs babies sometimes have breathing issues or baby you know what if and then you go to the hospital with this situation the question is like well why why were you having this baby at home like yeah. what what you know there's yeah. so there's so much pressure and i when you hear about midwives that are whose licenses come under attack from whatever outcomes mm -hmm. even if it's a baby everybody's healthy but some it tends to be they say i haven't this is not my research. This is just what I've midwives say. It's the neonatologists that call the board of nursing and do this. It's not the family. It's not yeah. even the OBs. Yeah. It's like the neonatologist who says, why was this baby born at home or what, you know? So it's, it, and nobody says about the baby born in the hospital who needs to go to the NICU. Well, why did this happen? Well, they, cause then that's what the NICU's for. And that's kind of how I feel about these, you know, a home birth baby, and I had a, it's hard to derail this, but like I had a, my first baby born at home, did really well. And, but like, wasn't transitioning well, like was born breathing, whatever, and just didn't transition well, you know, kept breathing fast for a long time. And the midwife was like, do you remember Alice? She was. I do because yeah. Alice yeah. is who was at Lincoln's birth. Oh, oh okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. So Alice was there. She was actually my mom's midwife at, when I talked about with my siblings. So cool. Yeah. So Alice was my mentor midwife and my own midwife and my mom's midwife. That is crazy. Um, but yeah, she, she, she said, you know, we've given him a long time. He needs to go in. And, but yeah, there was so much like, well, this is because you had a home birth that, you know, that's a lot of the, the mm -hmm. feeling that you get in that hospital environment. So it, 
unfortunately, I think some of the decisions and some of my answers to your questions about like, well, which babies should be born at home and which shouldn't. I think partly it's like, if you know anything is up with a baby and you know, you're going to be under such scrutiny, the question is always like, why did you do this? Yeah. And so I think, unfortunately, we don't get to always make those decisions based purely on safety. Yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up because I want people listening. I realize that like my situation is very unique and, and honestly, Last week, you heard us talk to Julia, and she's the mom that had the diagnosis of Down syndrome at birth. Her situation is unique because her baby actually is doing really well. And a lot of Down, really well. And a lot of Down syndrome babies don't. But I believe so very strongly in giving women choices. And I realize that it's such a slim and narrow group that would be able to say, okay, my child's medical complexity does not impact birth and should not necessarily rule us out for the type of birth that we want. Um, And that should be respected and supportive because there's got to be, I mean, granted, I'm sure it's small, but there's got to be women who are as crazy as I am and are like, I'm going to do what I want to do no matter what. So can you help me make it the most safe as possible? Well, Um, another, another ethical thing to think through is, conditions that are not compatible with life. And when I think about those moms, I'm not talking from an experience because I have not had that client approach me and say, well, I'll talk about slightly different earlier pregnancy losses in this category, kind of like past first trimester, but Mm -hmm. you know, still early. But those way I have not had a client yet approach me and say, my baby is not going to live, but, and I don't want that birth to happen in the hospital. But I'm thinking like, if that were me, and I'm going to spend maybe a couple hours with a baby before they pass away, you know, or whatever the scenario. Yeah. And, and I think part of it is like, well, we don't know. We don't know. And so I think that will drive a lot of people to the hospital. Like, what if there's something that the hospital can provide? So I, I don't know the exact scenario that I'm talking about. But I think that, I'm that glad that you brought that up, too, because um, an, another person I've had an opportunity to talk to is, is that person, is the person that is a grief counselor and is w- talking women through very serious medical complexities. Most of the women that she sees, those babies aren't making it to, to delivery to birth. And so are there any of those women who, you know, knowing that their baby's not going to survive, would they want the opportunity to have a choice over how they birth? And I right. do know that one of the questions she asked them is, do you want to have this baby vaginally or do you want to have this baby as a C-section? But what if it was, do you want to have this baby vaginally because it's safe? And do you want to do that in the comfort of your own home? Cause this is a trauma, you know what I mean? Right. And like, and when I think about, and think you, you think about too, like your home births and your children's role at those, and this is their sibling too. And this might be their only, you know, especially their now with camp. hospitals only allowing one person in and there's just so many thoughts. So many factors. There. Yeah. There's so many factors to that. Oh God, that's a good thing that you brought and, up the siblings. And yeah. so when I'm thinking about, my client last year who had a four, 15 week loss, 15 or 16, sorry that I'm not remembering any, mm-hmm. but it was very, yeah, it was very late for a miscarriage and everything is like hospital induction. Like that's, that's the only thing that's recommended. And she said, you know, I've had a home birth. I want my kids to need this baby. I, I want to do this. And, you know, we talked through risk and benefits. We talked about 
you know, hemorrhage is one of the things that can happen. We need to be ready to go to the hospital. Like I, I can only do this if you really um, understand that we need to go to the hospital when we need to go. And she understood and she's so happy. She's just so happy about her birth. And I ran into her mother the other day and her, her mother, who I don't really even know, she's like, but I know who you are and thank you so much. It made all the difference to her that that's how this baby's birth got to go. And, you know, it makes you like, okay, there's times to like, to think through, count the cost. Don't be negligent. Don't fail to recognize what can happen. But also like the way people experience their baby's birth matters. Yeah. And I, I want to just state super clearly for those people listening that what we're talking about is prioritizing safety. But when those boxes have been checked, that we're talking about giving um, women and families, actually, not just the birthing woman, but like we're, we've been saying, the partner, the siblings, giving them a little bit more autonomy and control over how do they want to see this happen. And before, again, anybody thinks that I'm, I'm supporting things that are not safe, because I'm not, um, you know, I think that this needs to be a team approach. I think that if we're going about it safely, we need to make sure that, especially with medically complex kids, again, mentioning uh, my experience, I went to every doctor. I went to my perinatologist. I went to my Tyson, my son Tyson had already, we had already created a team for him at that point. He had a pediatric urologist, a pediatric nephrologist. He had his own pediatrician, his regular pediatrician. I went to every, every one of them. And I was like, does his condition impact his birth? Right. And, when they and kidney, said no. Right. Kidneys. That's interesting because I actually haven't talked to you about your son and for you to remind me about his yeah. situation. But kidney things are one of those kind of one of the most common things where we would say we're aware of this thing on the scan and we're going to proceed with a home birth because it is like something that, yeah, we're going to need to deal with it if we need to deal with it. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what's interesting, again, is that because I had a home birth, my children mm -hmm. all had a chance to hold Tyson and we had to immediately leave, but they got, they all had a chance to hold him and meet him. And that might like, you know, because the way that things played out in my story, could it could have gone really south and then that would have been their only chance, but thankfully it didn't. We only spent a week in the NICU and we got to come home, but like how, how important that was that they all got yeah. that. And how what you said with your with your previous client, how important it was that they had that time yeah. at home, um, being able to hold the baby um, and just just giving women another option. Yeah. So how do you expect people or how do you help people not expect, but how do you help people emotionally prepare for the birth of their baby? And how do you expect to how do you expect them to prepare, help them prepare in the need or the event of having to transfer? Yeah. So is that, so I think I'm going to speak to it just generally and not so much the medical complexity because I'm, I don't no, have a lot enough. of like, yeah. yeah, a lot of known medical complexity situations like that um, where we're anticipating them, I guess I should say. So just, but, but yes, every woman who plans a home birth, needs to also know that she could have a hospital birth. Like the thing that makes home birth safe is that we have hospitals available. And we, we try to, we do our community care visits, which is all the moms do in the same month. And that's a good time for us to kind of talk through some of these things. So um, we talk through 
where the hospital is, like what our preferred hospital is, what their nearest hospital is, because those are sometimes not the same thing. Emergencies would be like the nearest hospital, but most transfers are non-emergent and we get to go where we want to go, where we've got a great uh, team of midwives and doctors. And that's if people are local, Centerville OBGYN is the practice that they really get that home birth transfer thing really well. I think when it was important to me to read the home birth cesarean book, that's a book that's kind of geared toward women who plan home birth, but it then had a cesarean. Does not mean the cesarean happened at home. Don't be confused about that. Um, <laughs> the title's a little like, oh. Um, but it, it, my takeaway from that book, which I read a long time ago, was basically like the people that are most traumatized are saying like, I never thought that could happen to me. Mm-hmm. And so my takeaway was like, I don't want anyone to think that could never happen. Like me having my sixth baby, I did that, what I tell people to do, which is spend a little time thinking about like, if the safest way for me to have this baby is to have a C-section, that's how I want to have this baby. Right. So I think like everyone taking that time in their pregnancy to think through it, like, oh, why will that be unpleasant? Why will that be okay? What will make it okay? And, you know, just like think about it for a while and then put it away. Right. That's kind of, I think the process, the same way we cope with thinking like, what if my child is born and they do have a condition that I don't expect? okay, think about that. It's going to be okay. Like, but it's, you know, I think it's harder to do when we already know, right? I'm sure not speaking from experience, but like when a mom already knows their baby's going to be born with something complex, that's probably harder because there's, but there's all these unknowns there and they probably need to spend time thinking about it and, and then put it away and say like, we don't know, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, I think it's just good to remember it can happen. Remember that the hospital is where you want to be when you have a medical problem. Yeah. I, and, and that's, that's the goal that's really said in any uh, medical situation is like, number one, healthy mom, healthy baby, you know? Um, and, and the, we want to have autonomy of our choices. We want to be able to have like that beautiful home birth, but you set up women to know that, you know, let's think about this for a second, if it becomes an option so that you're prepared and then put it away. So what happens and how do you approach it professionally? Um, And steering back, I guess, a little bit to, um, you know, you've had just a few situations where you've had to help a mom navigate an unexpected condition at birth. How do you approach that conversation with her? In both situations, I'll be interested. I haven't heard Julia's interview yet so I'm like so curious to hear how we each remember that day differently um, or the same or whatever all good things (laughs) yeah I mean just my my feeling was seeing the baby and thinking that baby has down syndrome and then second guessing myself and being very relieved when my student midwife said that baby has down syndrome right and and my thought was the baby was very healthy. The baby was breathing, like everything was great. So I said, I don't, I, I anticipated, I was ready for her to say to me, my baby has Down syndrome, right? Because that's what had happened. The only other time that, you know, 10 years ago, or maybe more, what, maybe 13 years ago, I don't know. It was just kind of this like waited and waited for the mom to kind of say, that's what I am seeing. And so I was like, hoping that that's how it would play out again. And yeah, anyway, I don't want, I don't want to tell other people's stories, but I think that, you know, everybody's a little different in how they 
I'll, I'll be interested to hear her story. I feel yeah. like it's her story to tell. But yeah, I think that when there's not a medical issue, there's benefit in like, first, just absorb that you have a baby, yes. right? Like, it's the same way that like, when you don't know if it's a boy or a girl and the baby's born, everyone else in the room cares. Is it a boy or girl? And you just, all you care is like, you got your baby out mm-hmm. and you need a moment to like care about anything else. And that's, that's kind of what I want it to be. Like, I think that's the important thing is like, and that's one thing that I thought, oh, I'm so happy for her that this baby was born at home yeah. because I pictured, and I don't want to be uncharitable and what I imagine would have happened at the hospital, but it's just, oh my goodness, I can just picture the team of four becomes a team of 12 very quickly yeah. in that room. And like, and she's no longer holding that baby. Yeah. Yeah. And so for me to know that that was uninterrupted time in her own bed with her own husband and baby, while we just waited for her to absorb that was, yeah. I think, beautiful. So I, I have. So you so... approached it the same way that you approach any other birth, which is, take the moment that you need because you just had a baby, this huge ordeal you just went through. Take that moment. It's done. The birth is done and hold on and enjoy your baby. Get that beautiful bonding moment. Right. So no matter. And that's what I would say. That's what I would say to anybody who's like already knows their baby has an issue is like, I don't know, like preserve what you can. I I think it's hard in the hospital where litigious ideas get in the way of actual family time it's sad and it's I don't think it's a fault of of a person in the room I think it's a fault of a system so yeah I don't know how to fix it but I think like preserve what you can tell make your birth plan clear about what what's important to you and how how you can like kind of save what you can save of that the beauty of it because it's it was so beautiful there was just you know, and, and she saved that same treasuring of her baby through every day that I've seen her and talked to her. It's like, she's, she's, you know, I love, I I don't know if she said it to you, but like she said, people say things to me that make me know that they feel sorry for me. And I don't feel sorry for myself. Yeah, she did. She did say that. And I, um, I love that. Um, yeah, she's just so in love with her beautiful baby girl. And so, you know, just appreciative of how well she's doing. And like, she, she mentioned something that um, really, like I connected with too, but it's like, you don't realize that you're holding that, which is that when people find out that your child has a condition, it no longer becomes about congratulations on this beautiful baby. It becomes about, oh, I'm sorry, but you really still want to hear congratulations. You know what I mean? And yeah. so she's still really, she's really happy as she should be. She's got a beautiful, beautiful she's so baby beautiful. girl. She's so great. Well, Megan, it was so fun to talk to you. Yeah. I've got to go see my next Yes, one. please. I know you're so busy. You got to go be there for all your mom's story. Thank you. I really appreciate oh. your time. You are doing such good work in the community. And I'm really, really grateful that you're here. Well, I'm grateful to you. Thanks for helping all our babies breastfeed. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. All right, bye. So I'm so glad that you guys got to listen to Story. Um, she is a fantastic, fantastic midwife. And again, it is not really for for most women that know in their pregnancy that they are going to have a medically complex child. Most of the time, God, probably 99.5% of the time, that means that you do need to have a hospital birth for it to be safe. 
Um, but I think that knowing that you have options, that is what is important. Um, because if that is if that is what you want um, in the future, if there's a possibility of setting it up to where this could be safe, then you need to women need, just need to have the options to be able to do it. Um, and certified nurse midwives do also work in the hospital, so you can have somebody come in and get a who is experienced in physiological labor um, be there for the birth of your baby. Now, once baby is out, of course, um, it may look a little bit differently. A lot of the times, if we know in advance that baby is going to have, um, you know, a complex condition, then the neonatologist is already in the room. And so, um, mom may not get that immediate skin to skin time because the baby is, um, likely going to be going to the neonatologist and sometimes in the room and sometimes it's short. Sometimes the neonatologist needs to do um, her exam and then 15 minutes later, mom gets baby back. But um, one of the things that Story and I were talking about is how important it is for women to know what's going to happen because, um, you know, some studies have shown that if we know what's going to happen and we can run it through in our minds and just prepare for it, even in the smallest way of ways, we are able to mentally process it better if that is the scenario that plays out. And that's really important for our mental health. So, um, you know, postpartum period can be a challenging period, even in a healthy pregnancy, healthy term baby. Um, and it's even more important um, or equally important. It's just important uh, when we know that we're going to have a baby that um, is going to require some extra love and extra care. So I'm really glad that you guys at least got to hear from a home birth midwife. In her 14 years, she's had, you know, three babies that, that ended up having medical complexities. So it's definitely a small percentage, but good for you guys to know about that. Um, thank you so much for joining. I hope that you were able to get, um, you know, something interesting, connect with anything that I said or learn something new from story. Um, I'm really excited for our future upcoming guests. We're going to have a lot more uh, medical professionals and experts come up in the future weeks. So um, we're going to go really in depth about a lot of that and from the medical side. So that's going to be really great episodes for you to tune in and listen to. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, again, I'm your host, Megan Pond. This is Baby Wearing and Breastfeeding Nurturing Miracles. Have a great week. Thank you all for joining us on today's episode of Baby Wearing and Breastfeeding, Nurturing Miracles. I hope you found our discussion enlightening and that you leave feeling supported and empowered. Remember, you are not alone on this journey. Tune in next week for more insights and conversations that connect us all in the shared experience of parenting. Until then, take care and cherish every miracle with your little ones.